Yo, 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 what's up, everybody? It's your main man, Kel Breezy, and I'm here again. <sighs> I can finally say that I am really done with the Friday 13th movie franchise, and I decided to go ahead and do Freddy vs. Jason. Because the next one I'm going to start on is A Nightmare on the Elm Street. So, yeah. I, just go ahead and get it out the way. So, yeah, because this movie kind of bridged the gap between the movie films. Uh, I remember hearing about this movie coming out in 2003. I was excited because Freddy and Jason are my two top favorite slashers. I was like, oh my god, Freddy versus Jason. This is going to be epic. This is going to be cool. This is going to be great. But how? They live in two different worlds. Freddy lives in the dream world. And, and Jason lives in the real world. How are they going to do this? So... After so many years, so many rewrites, you know, this movie being the film that's um, pretty much just better known as um, <clears throat> The Bastard Child of a Thousand Rewrites. Because they've been trying to come up with this movie for so long, Freddy vs. Jason for so long. And, you know, because at first, you know, Jason, the Friday 13th films were on the Paramount, and Nightmare Industry was on the new line, you know, the house that Freddy built. You know, so anyway, let me get into this movie, man. Um, I was excited about this movie as a kid. As a kid, I was really amped. I really loved this movie, but as I got older and watched it and looked at it, it's not really a favorite of mine. I don't much care for this movie. I mean, I give them credit for trying to do something creative. It was kind of creative, you know, how they, you know, fail in the backstory like, oh, Freddie Powers come from the fears of the children. You know, if you don't know of him, you don't speak of him or think of him or dream of him, think about him, you know, fear of him, you know, he can't come after you if you don't think about him. So they, like, pretty much erased him. And for me, the best part of the movie, one of the best part of the movie was the beginning, the monologue that Freddie was doing explaining, you know, how he became who he is. You know, the Springwood slasher, then the parents came for revenge and burned him, and then he came something much worse. True dream nightmares are made of. You kill kids and they figure out a way to forget him. So they just forgot about him, wrote him out the history books, you know, just deleted him from the history and everything. And any kids that had dream about him, they sent him to a psychiatric hospital and gave him some experimental pills, hypnocell, they couldn't dream. So if nobody talks about him, make mention of him, don't fear him. He can't do anything, he's harmless. So, yeah. So Freddy decided to go ahead and search the depths of hell, and he found Jason. Jason, I guess everybody thought was dead, but apparently, according to Freddy, he just been sleeping. When he woke up, Jason, and sent Jason on a, a hunt. But he was, you know, Freddy can shapeshift. He shapeshifted into Jason's mother and told Jason to wake up and go, to, go on M Street and start killing. Because the fear in M Street, on M Street and Springwood, that Anybody getting killed, especially teens, they're going to think it's Freddy. And the word was going to spread. And everybody's going to know Freddy. It's going to be afraid. And it's going to get him strength. So, yeah. That's that's pretty much how that happened. But Jason, you know, Jason, man, he, he, once he started killing, he's going to stop until he kills every teen in sight. Yep. Went to 1428 M Street. That's where we met our final girl and her friends. Where we met Lori, Kaya, and Gilb. Pretty superficial teenagers, no real personal 
like real serious and dead. And Kelly Rowland was in this movie. She played the um, girl Kaya. And like she said, she was stuck on getting her nose redone. I think in high school, you think about that. And the girl Gia, played by Catherine Isabel, she was always smoking and she was drunk most of the movie. And Monica Keena played Lord Campbell. Robert Ingham played Freddy Krueger, and we did not get Kane Hodder as Jason like we wanted, but they gave us Ken Kurzinger. You may recognize him because he played the big guy in um, Jason Takes Manhattan when Jason ran into the diner and the big dude, the cook, approached Jason. He threw the guy against the glass mirror, you know, that I guess died. Yeah, that was the big guy that got thrown by Jason. He ended up playing Jason in this movie. Yeah. So mm -hmm. um we had some cool characters. I did like the relationship between Mark and Will. Um Will played by Jason Ritter and Mark played by Brendan Fletcher. And I I mean Brendan Fletcher and Zach Ward who played Mark's brother Bobby. They like they like they could actually be related, you know what I mean? So but anyway then we had a little nerdy guy, Lenderman. We had a knockoff Jay, Silent Bob and Jay, you know, um, Freebird. Yeah, how about that? So anyway, this movie kicked off, and it, and it was crazy. It's like the probably like I want to say the the best kill in this movie was done at the beginning of the movie when Jason kills the douchebag boyfriend Trey, played by Jesse Hutch. Babe, come at me X twice. You know, got killed. You know, Jason killed this kid. Like, the kid's on his stomach. And Jason had the machete and just started jamming, 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 jamming in his bag until, like, his heart and guts was coming through the mattress, the bottom mattress of the bed. Like, yeah. Well, I guess they the bed spring, but whatever. It came through the bottom and that was enough. Jason dropped the machete, took the bed, folded it in half. Like, bent this kid in half. That was like the best kill in this movie. It was just the rest of them was kind of off screen or just the simple stabs, you know. So, but anyway, so now these kids are like trying to figure out like what the hell's going on. The sheriff department are thinking, "Oh my gosh, this is the house that it happened was before fourteen twenty eight M Street." The teenager killed, and in Springwood on M Street, if teenager get killed, you gotta make it think, Freddy. So now. They said his name, now these teenagers, Lori, her friend, her name, Freddie. Lori has this dream. And in this movie, for me, honestly, it, it's the CGI blood. You guys can find some practical effects or some fake blood or something. It, it doesn't bother me. It's like the fake blood, the CGI blood. That, 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 word, that irks me. I, I watch a horror movie. I want practical effects. I want stunt doubles. I want makeup effects. I want. Like using a pig's torso or cut or stab or something. You know what I mean? Like, I just don't like the CGI stuff. And it was too much CGI. And Ronnie Root, Ronnie you, he made this movie like, he had especially like this was a Matrix movie or, or Hidden Dragon Crash or Titan. Because every time somebody got hit or they would fly across the screen, that kind of freaking irritate the hell out of me. Like, Jason smacks like a machine, like they'll fly across the air or. When somebody gets hit, they automatically fly across. That was irritating me. Seeing these people constantly fly across the screen. It's like, instead of making this a horror movie, you made this into like a for real deal, like Japanese warrior movie. Too 
It's like watching Scorpion and goddamn Sub Zero. Like this is a freaking Mortal Kombat movie or something. I mean, as a kid, it really didn't have anything scary to be honest. There was nothing really scary about this movie. It was just you watch this movie and see how these two managed to fight. And when they did fight in the dream world, because when they got to Western Hills to find a more hypnocell, Jason showed up and Freddy possessed the kid Freebird to want to be Jay from si Jay and Silent Bob. But after he got Jason got tranquilized and he cut the kid in half, that was another good kill, I will say. Then they had the dream world fighting. This is this is nothing that pissed me off though. Like, did he not watch any of the other films? Like, was he not paying attention to source material? Like, the whole first of all, the ping pong scene where Freddy Krueger's got Jason going around the whole boiler room like ping 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 like a pinball, and he falls tilt. That was corny and not in a good way. It was lame. Sorry, not sorry. Um, and then Jason afraid of water. That that that's mm -mm, that don't fly well. I mean, that doesn't stick well. Like Jason afraid of our oh, cause he drowned. He's afraid of water. I gotta stay being afraid of fire, cause that shit burns regardless. And like who? I don't know any sane person that wouldn't be afraid of getting burnt again by fire. So they would stay away from. I mean, stay away from fire, cause you don't want to get burned. But water. Jason is a killing, unstoppable killing machine. You know, he may have drowned, but uh, he still has never been afraid of water. Like, go back and watch any other movies. Like, he could kill people in water. He even went into the water many times to kill someone. So, why would he be afraid of water now? And then they even had a little dream sequence in that film when Freddy was poking through his brain. You saw him walking through water, dragging a body. But he's afraid of water, but you got him walking through water. I, I don't get that was like dumb. That was another bad thing that running you and whoever wrote this movie, they just did not pay attention to source material. Like Jason's not afraid of water, guys, and not flying through the screen somebody get hit. That's a definitely hell to the no no thumbs down for me. Um Robert England, once again, of course he killed it as Freddy. Yes, of course. Um I would like to see him got a little more kills in this movie, but he didn't. You know, most of Jason got some kills. Um, the whole part about Freddy killing Lori's mom years ago, and I guess he possessed um, her dad to do it. It made it sound like he killed her mom. And yeah, so that's what happened. Freddy possessed the dad, Lori's dad, and killed Lori's mom. And Will happened to see it. And they, I thought he was crazy, and they covered it up. And everybody, I guess everybody believed it. Oh. Freddy possessed me to kill my wife. Let's say my wife died in a car crash. Wow, okay. Yeah, put that guy in a psychiatric hospital for that kind of bull crap. <sighs> Whatever, man. So, but yeah, this movie, I, it doesn't really do much for me. And I'm such a huge Freddy and Jason fan, I just can't stomach to sit through this movie. I mean, I watched it to do this episode of, on Kale's World, but. Ugh. Jeez, it's just, I don't, I don't, can't get with it. The characters, there's no relatable character. It's like they was on the tip of iceberg of making these some of these characters relatable. Like um, Linderman, like okay, he's in love with Lori, and he's a nice guy, he's a sweet guy. There's more to him. He stands up, finds stands up to himself against Kia, who's always coming at him wrong, and he stands up to her, and, you know. And then, like I said, the only real relationship or character that just really 
worth mentioning is Mark and real Mark, really, because you he gets a story like he's like, my brother wasn't crazy, my brother did not commit suicide, he was killed by Freddy and all this other stuff. Even the final girl, Laura, she just not definitely not a favorite final girl. I think they really just gave her the role because she could scream and she's pretty. Other than that, it's just not really not that much. Doesn't do much for me. A lot of these characters, like oh man, you like they're all gonna die. You know it. You know so. And then I didn't like the Jason mask in this movie. Like it was his face was a model, so they took the mask and kind of bended it back, and it was kind of wobbled and. And like one side was longer than the other, like the right side covered more than the left side. It was like the right side was cover cover up his his right ear or something. And then it was a lot of blood and guts and glories. Like they were trying to balance out this karate movie, you know, this Mortal Kombat style movie to balance it out. And then like they kind of went too far. Like oh my god, he ripped off Freddy's arm, and, and then he poked Jason died out with the with his razor glove. But raising knives, but somehow Jason still was able to come back and pierce Freddy's body with Freddy's own arm with the razor glove on it, razor knife glove on it. I, mean, I thought he was like blind at this point. It was like like it was just too. Much. I like blood and guts, but you can overdo it, and it kind of overdid it with this in the end fight scene part. Overdid it, overkill, too much. I definitely. Um, we'll say if you've never seen this movie, uh, go watch it. You might actually enjoy this movie. It's okay. I kind of sat here and watched it and it felt like I was like, mm. it was like he sat down and watched a Mortal Kombat movie or some action movie. And like, oh, use this. I'm going to put this in a movie. Watch The Matrix. Oh, watch this. Oh, yes. You know what I mean? Man, the torpedo. It was too much. They, and once again, they did a horrible job of keeping Freddy scary and crazy and creepy. They made him too comical and stuff and too one-liners that wasn't even funny with the oxygen tanks. You know, when you're going down, you know, when you're, excuse me, diving under water and he just, and they're just cutting the tops off and they're flying through the air. Man, the torpedoes, you know? Yeah, that doesn't do anything. That was, it wasn't in the construction site and just blood fashion everywhere. This, this movie, like I said, it's definitely not a favorite. Not a favorite. Uh... It got development to hell for this. Wow. Okay. So, all right. And then it ends with Jason coming out of water holding a decapitated Freddy Krueger's head. And I guess it was leading open for a sequel to the Freddy vs. Jason because Freddy's head, he winked at the camera. So, it's like, he's not dead. So, I don't know. But I, as long as it took them to get Freddy vs. Jason, I doubt if we get a sequel. And I'm not looking forward to it. So, yeah. And then Jason, his body like it was black, oily and leather. Like they used leather, and he had little strands of hair. That was weird. And they like his clothes. It was like he's like the Frankenstein monster. That's what they made him look like with the big, thick sole boots. We're gonna use the clothes from the Frankenstein monster and put Jason on. Put Jason's head and the hockey mask on. Put a machete. Yeah, that's what we're gonna do. Horrible. Didn't like it. Didn't care for it. Instead of Freddy having like brown cloak pants and stuff, down are grayish. So this should have been like Mortal Kombat. Freddy versus Jason. <laughs> that's what this was. Sorry. And I guess that's why they eventually put them in the Mortal Kombat movies. 
Yeah, I mean, I mean video games. I'm sorry, Mortal Kombat video games. They saw these movies like, man, we got to put Freddy and Jason in our goddamn video games. They're great, great characters. Yeah, yeah. Hell no. All right, let's talk about some fun facts that you may know or may not know, guys. Paramount number one. Paramount first approached New Line about doing Freddy vs. Jason in the great year of 1987. Oh yeah, 1987. Uh, Paramount owned Fire 13, was coming off of Part Six. Jason lives. The franchise was still profitable, but on a financial decline, whereas New Line, a relatively new independent film studio, had just hit big with my favorite a scary movie, Nightmare on M Street 3 Dream Warriors. So yeah, Paramount, you know, they, they thought uh, they could just push the new kid around, you know, strong on New Line to license the credit to them so they could make and completely control a Freddy vs. Jason movie. But New Line said, no, nah, I'm good. You know, like, all New Line would get was, like, <laughs> they would just get the international distribution rights. That was a real sucker deal. But New Line, like, nah, we good. Y'all going on somewhere that. Y'all don't want to do business right away. We ain't going to do business at all. Scoot, scoot. Get the boot. So, yeah. Anyway, number two. New Line spent $6.8 million to develop 18 <laughs> different scripts by more than a dozen screenwriters over 10 years. Wow. So, you know, by the early 90s, Friday 13 had crapped out at the box office, duh, and caused Paramount to walk away and New Line to scoop the film rights on the cheap. But anyway, original Friday director Sean Cunningham and New Line's head of production Michael DeLuca, they worked together to finally make Freddy vs. Jason happen, but with Craven's unexpected return to the Freddy franchise with New Line. New Nightmare, 1994, put all that on hold. Thank you. Thank you, Wes. You are my favorite. But anyway, Cunningham then rushed out. Jason goes to hell. <sighs> what a crap for a show that is. But anyway, but it's all well as New Nightmare said, respective franchise lows at the box office. Yeah. Still, Jason goes to hell did sneak in, in the ending with the Freddy coming up to get Jason's mask. Yeah, so. <sighs> what a piece of shit. So, no, anyway, moving on. The unused script included concepts like Fred Heads, Jason becoming OJ Simpson, and Freddy having molested Jason at Camp Crystal Lake. Just let that sink in. I'm going to sit and read that again. Um, the unused scripts included concepts like Fred Head, Jason becoming O.J. Simpson, and Freddie have molested Jason at Camp Crystal Lake. So let me get this straight. Fred Head, I guess there's some people that's going to like this worshiping Freddie, and Jason got put on trial to be new freaking O.J. Simpson, and Freddie molested Jason. Camp Chris Lake. I just don't know. Okay, so the screenplay, the Luca kept ordering were wildly different. Um, author boarding on batshit crazy like you know, most extreme, which was Brandon Braga and Ronald D. Moore putting Jason on public trial, like the OJ Simpson trial. 
The box office failure of the equally strange new nightmare completely killed that concept. Excuse me. Which would how the fuck you put Jason on trial? Why would you even put him on trial for all the murders he's done? You just go ahead and kill him. No point. Because he'll keep stupid. You just offer more victims that way. <clears throat> the most consistent elements throughout of all the scripts actually came from the first two, which were commissioned. Boris and Rhea proposed Freddie and Jason fight because an adult Freddie had raped Jason as a kid at Camp Crystal Lake and created a cult of Freddie worshippers dubbed Fredheads, whose goal was to resurrect their spiritual leader at any cost. To the dismay of many at New Line, the Fredheads stayed as girls for quite a while, uh, gained a leader who would benefit them as much as either Freddie or Jason. Yeah. Fucking stupid stuff, man. That's some pretty sick stuff, guys. I'm sorry. I'm glad none of that made it to the theater. That sucks. That's stupid. Anyway, okay. So, the project almost died for good when Michael DeLuca was fired at New Line Head of Production. <sighs> anyway, Mark Swift and Damian Shannon, writing partners, with no prior screen credits, were finally the ones to produce Freddie vs. Jason's story treatment, which finally received the green light at New Line. I don't care. Moving right along. Okay, so Shannon's Wolf original 130-page script translated to a two-hour, 28-minute running time and $68 million budget. <coughs> I don't think... I barely made it through the hour and a half of Freddy Bird Jason, so I knew I was really going to make it through a two-and-a-half-hour movie. I don't care. Maybe maybe if they did have two hours, maybe this would have turned out better. But I highly doubt that, though. You know. Ronnie Yu directed this movie and also, you know, you know, the um, Bride of Chucky movie. And that's definitely not one of my favorites. I mean, it's cool to see they try to do something different, but, uh, Definitely not my favorite. I would watch Brian Chucky before I watched Freddy versus Jason. I guess I would. I don't know. Maybe they're about on the same level with me at this point. I, I don't know. I, no, I, yeah, I'll go ahead and watch Brian Chucky first. Anyway, let me stay focused, guys. Anyway, so this movie with Michael DeLuca gone, but Bob Shea on their side. Shannon will finish a highly ambitious script. But two months prior to production, Ronnie Yu would only agree to direct if he could make whatever script changes he wanted. So, Shannon and Swift, they tried their best to follow Yu's notes, but David S. Goyer was ultimately brought in as a script doctor and cutting out all the fat so the running time could cooking around 90 minutes and the budget topped out at $25 million. I don't know. It, it's too many cooks in the kitchen. That can be a problem for a movie when it's too many people trying to write and rewrite and change this, change that, and do this, and do this to this group. 
Too many cooks in the kitchen. Too many. So, I mean, um, Gore, you could have multiple backstories among the, the non-Freddy Jason characters, creating a new ending. Actually gave Freddy far more dialogue and dropped a bunch of characters while combining others into, into new composite characters. And, and Gore, he even his rewrites went on throughout the family, which certain lost scenes forcing other scenes to simply cut out the chase and have characters straight up spell it out for the audience, like when Lori stupid little line, Fred's afraid of fire, Jason's afraid of water, how can we use that? That bullshit. Jason is not afraid of water. He's not. He's not. Any logical person be afraid of fire, so that's not worth mentioning. Stupid, stupid, stupid stuff, man. This is uh. <laughs> so this is interesting. This this fact is interesting. So as a little girl, Monica Kina, who played Lori, her fear of Freddy Krueger resulted in her school teachers thinking she was being abused at home. I'm just gonna move right along. So anyway. <laughs> So, um, some guy named Brad Renfro was originally cast as Will, but showed to said so strong out that he had to recast a week prior to shooting. So that's how we got um, Jason Ritter. Is this John Ritter's son? I want to say it is. R.I.P. to John Ritter. I think it is. So Brandon Riffro, he was on drugs and he couldn't work. So they had to recast somebody. Sucks for him. Could have got a good paycheck out of this movie. Anyway. Running you rejected um casting um future vampire diaries guy in Summerholder. If you guys are vampire diary fans, you know who that is. As the guy Ian Summerholder was gonna play Will, but Running you like, nah, I'm good. He's too pretty. Whatever that's supposed to mean. So, another one. It's not 100% clear who made the decision to replace Kane Hodder's Jason. I want no freaking idea that was, man. I understand you wanted to, you know, the high difference to be seen between, because actually Kane Hodder's kind of a short guy. So he's not really tall compared to um, Ken. Curtin Zinger. But Kane Harder, he he's the best guy to play Jason because he 100% is convinced to the character. And he got stunt acting experience. He's too whole no love God. I don't know who fucking idea that was. Stupid. You know, Kane Harder, he played Jason in Friday 13th, Part 7, all the way to Jason X. And, you know, he's like the only person that played Jason 41 in one film. Cool. And he's like the best person. Like his work, he, he is Jason. He's Best version of Jason, the best actor, my favorite actor playing Jason. Seriously, I don't know what the hell, guys. This was freaking stupid, stupid, stupid. To cut out my boy Kane Hart. Kurt Ken did good, Ken did a good job, but he didn't do better than Kane. I probably would have had Kane on the set to help give notes, you know, like kind of help him out. Ken, I like how to move. Whatever. 
So, um, another fact they said, um, very, very early on, they talked about doing a clue ending. Uh, for those that don't know what that is, um, the classic Tim Curry um, starring adaptation of the popular board game did not run its three different endings together when it came out in theaters. Instead, they um, <clears throat> there were three prints of the film in circulation, one for each ending, meaning you wouldn't actually know which ending you were going to see. Michael DeLuca loved that gimmick, and before he was fired at New Line, he was going to pursue that for Freddy vs. Jason film as two endings. One where Jason went, one where Freddy ends, but not to the audience or theaters which one they were going to get. To see both versions, you have to see the film multiple times. If you're not familiar with the movie Clue, Based off the video game, I mean the board game, you know at the end, that end of that movie had like multiple ends that kept going over and over, and each time somebody else would be the killer, revealed it's the killer. Yeah, so that's what they're gonna do for this movie. Like, if you saw this one, you go to the theater, it's like, oh, like you saw this day, and your your buddy saw it another theater another day. You're like, oh man, something. Yeah, I talked about the movie. Something like, yeah, it's pretty won. Uh, no, it didn't. You're lying. You didn't go see the movie because Jason won. No, you're lying. Pretty won. Like, what did you see? What did you see? So, yeah, they were trying to get more bang for the book until it came like on DVD or VHS where you get multiple endings like the Clue movie did. So, wow. Anyway, so anyway. They propose alternate endings, including the cameos from Pinhead, from Hellraiser, a CGI Satan, and <sighs> potentially Corey Feldman. So they're going to have them like Brennan Jason and Hell, and it's going to have Pinhead there. Holding them hostage in Hell. I'm glad that none of this happened because that would make the movie even worse. And the end with the, with the ending of the film was Bob Shea's idea. I don't talk about Bob Shea and his ideas on the when I started Nightmare Elm Street, but I talk about the first one. But the whole Freddie Wink was his idea. You know, the Wink Freddie deal, he's his decapitated head. It was, it was Bob Shea's idea. Once again, he has another ending where it's confusing. Like, what the hell? That's what? what? Because in his mind, he's always thinking like, oh, let's leave room for just, you know, for just a sequel just in case. And this is why I did. I'm not going to talk about Nightmare Air Street Jam. I'm going to say it for next week. Hopefully I can remember this. But at this end, it's like, oh, just in case this does well, we can get a sequel. So let's just leave room for a sequel. Yeah, buddy. No sequel, thank God. And that ending was dead. I mean, how's he dead? How's he alive? How's he winking? Like, like, isn't he supposed to be dead? He's in the real world. What the hell, man? So, last one. New Line's advertising budget for Freddy vs. Jason surpassed, surpassed the marketing campaigns for all 10 prior Friday 13 films combined. Well, like, they really was out here advertising promoting this movie. They had like this. Had like you know a big fight like a boxing or UFC match with Freddie on one side, Jason on the other side, and and Freddie done all talking, talk about Jason, Mama's boy. It was like a whole big fight feel. Like, so 
They spent $25 million on marketing. And it was advertising and television, radio, print, and internet was promotional material. So, like I said, you can see the commercials or on TV on YouTube or big press conference, you know, advertising. Freddie versus Jason, like it's going to be a boxing fight or UFC. Did they have a standoff for Bridger raised his glove and Jason raised his machete? Anyway, let's move on. Let's let's get to the damage. Let's see. Body count time. Let's see the body count. 20 people died in this film. Jason killed 19 of them. Most of them was at that uh, rave they had in the cornfield. Which is a pretty cool camera angle showing Jason off fire walk through a corn maze and this getting a fire to go through. I'm not even sure if it's a corn maze. It's just cornfield maze, whatever. Cornfield, whatever. Freddie got one kill. I'm trying to remember who that kill was. But he got one kill. Who cares though, right? Oh, yeah, he killed Mark. Yeah, wow. So anyway, box office opening in August 2003, Freddy vs. Jason took in a surprising $36.4 million in its opening weekend. The biggest opening for a slasher movie till that point. It ultimately amassed $82.6 million in domestic gross and $114 million worldwide, setting Nightmare on the Street and Friday 13 franchise records for domestic gross. That being said, the original 1980 Friday 13 actually sold 1.1 million more tickets in its day. It had the lowest budget of any film in either franchise, meaning it remains the most profitable Nightmare Friday film ever. But I don't care how much money this movie made open the weekend or worldwide. It's still not. It's still not a great movie. It's not. It's okay movie. It's not good. It's okay. Not scary at all. I don't. This. If you wanted your friends to see a horror movie, to put them on to slasher movies, this would not be a good one to show them. Like you want to show them who Freddy vs Jason was in like in one walk. Okay. But this would not be a good movie to try to get them on. Like it's not scary. Not spooky. Like I said, the the best part of the monologue Freddy did in the beginning. So. Yeah, I'm sorry, but there's nothing for me. As a kid, I loved the idea and I thought it would have been cool if they would have got it right, but mm, they didn't, not surprised. But anyway, guys, it's your main man, Kel Breezy, here in Kel's world, doing what I love to do. Talk about movies, TV, special movies. Um, you can find me on all the podcast platforms. Don't forget merchandise. The link's down below for the merchandise where you can buy it. Support your main man, Kel Breezy. And then we are in Kel's world. It's a fun place. It's a happy place. It's a loving place. And I'm out.